Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I am your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the current state of Angular and some of the future of Angular. Should be pretty cool. We're going to have a discussion show today. So let's get started. We'll say hi to our panelists. Bonnie Brennan, what's going on? I'm very excited about our guest today. I know I'm always excited, but I'm really, the, this is one of my favorite people in the whole Angular community. He's super fun. I am very excited as well. Stephen Fluens, our guest. Stephen, how's it going? It's going amazing. It's a beautiful Wednesday in the office here today. Nice. And Stephen is a new father, which I find really exciting because I would imagine that Stephen and Stephanie would be really great parents. And it must be really fun to be a baby in your house. How's that going? We, we, try, we try to be good parents. He's, he's about six months old now. but And what I found is that every presentation I give, I like end up showing pictures of him, which I mean, you have to. I, I feel bad, like, inflicting that on people that don't yeah. care. Yeah. But it's yeah. part of, like, who I am right now, right? And you, you want to bring your whole self into everything you do. No, I think it's great. I, I, I can imagine that you would be a really great parent. And, I mean, really, half of it is, like, you can't take yourself too seriously. And you're so good about not – I mean, you're very professional sometimes, but, like, you have that silly side. And I think that's um, – and plus, you're so nice. You're such a nice person that I think you'd be a great father. I would just assume – I definitely want to embrace the silly side of myself. So, so before we end this episode, Stephen, we're going to have to see a baby picture. I'm sorry. And you can blame it on me. I'll totally take the heat for that. I mean, we got to see the baby. Just for Sounds a second. Good. You just let me know when. All right. So you, apparently you come on Angular Air, you get some life advice, you know, all that stuff. So it's, it's all part of it, I guess, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then, life advice for Angular advice. Both, right? Both. Yeah. That, that whole like, you know, injecting in your uh, family experience throughout everything, that's just going to continue on as they grow up. And yeah, it's it's always going to be there. It's pretty exciting to be a parent, I think. Wait till you have teenagers and then you get to give the people with newborns advice. Like, oh, I remember those days. Nice, nice. All right, Stephen, uh, do you want to tell our viewers who may not know you uh, a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Stephen Fluen. I lead developer relations on the Angular team. So generally that breaks down into helping developers and organizations be successful with Angular and reflecting the needs of the community onto the team. Uh, I do a whole bunch of really awesome things, or I get to do a bunch of awesome things as part of my job. So uh, I lead our GDE program. I manage a lot of our enterprise relationships. Uh, I write blog posts and content and try and help developers really understand what we're doing and then also understand what the developers' needs are so that we can uh, try and do better every day. Nice. Did nice. you mention the YouTube channel? Which which one? There's so many. Because you have your you have a YouTube channel and I I, I don't watch it all the time, but I have come, gone on there sometimes. And there there are very short, small little uh, uh, videos about Angular and they're amazing because they're so they're like quick little Angular tips. And it's a really good channel. Yeah, it was uh, youtube.com slash demos with Angular. So it was this idea of like every episode I was going to just build something and show off like, oh, this is how you do this. So like I did one that was like Capacitor versus Cordova or one was about like, how do I set up Angular on a Chromebook? All those sorts of things. I really like it because they're like little snacks, right? It's like it's a very quick little episode, but there's, I mean, and I feel like I know a lot about Angular, but I've learned a couple things. I mean, don't let it go to your head, Stephen, but it is a really good channel. I like it a lot. I, I actually I haven't filmed one since we had the kid because I don't have a quiet space anymore. It's okay with us if you if, like we don't mind if there's a baby in the background because those I mean the videos are really good. 
And I'm not just saying that because you're here. I mean, the videos are really good. So it's okay. We will forgive you if there's a baby noise in the background. You should keep making videos. Okay. I, I will try. Bon Bonnie's just ready for you to put your whole family online and on the internet. So <laughs> you have to work, Steven. <laughs> you are working. And I, I, I really do like that channel. I just like, the, because you're fun too. Like you're serious and you're teaching stuff, but there's a little silliness thrown in just like when you don't expect it, which I, I, I really like that about you. Thank you. Okay, so what about, uh, what's the Angular team up to? Sure, so uh, we were just at NGConf and Google I.O., so two really big conferences. So NGConf was out in Salt Lake City, was it three weeks ago now? Uh, and this was actually a really unique NGConf because we brought the whole team, uh, not as speakers, but as attendees, which we, we haven't actually been able to do that before. So it was really, really awesome to engage with the community, sit on panels, talk to developers, all those sorts of things. Um, and then a few of us were at I.O. last week, uh, which is not a Angular-focused conference, but it's obviously a huge conference uh, with very, very kind of wide reach. And so we were uh, just giving updates and engaging with the community there too, which was a lot of fun. I, I personally love Google I.O. I've been going since like 2012, like long before I was working at Google because I, I just love that conference. I've never been. I really want to go. And now I'm even more jealous. Thanks a lot. Uh, are there any other Angular conferences coming up this year that uh, the Angular team will be at? Uh, there's going to be a bunch. So we're going to have a team member at NG Malaysia. We're going to have a team member at Angular Connect. We're going to be at, uh, I, I don't even know all the names of the events. Uh, we're going to be at, we are developers over in Berlin. Um, I could I'm not off the top of my head even remember all the names. Uh, NG Atlanta too, early in uh, 2020. I believe Igor, I heard Igor would be there. I could be wrong. Maybe Igor hasn't heard that yet. <laughs> Igor, you heard it here first. <laughs> Uh, okay, so so then, so is version eight is officially, so I know the GDEs uh, got this email from you that we need to test, uh, because you, so you do the release candidate and then you ask us to test it. I tested it, I broke it, um, but that was because I was I was trying to do like a simple update on like a really old Angular project. You didn't actually break version eight, you broke version five. <laughs> you can count on me as your problem child, right? If I'm gonna do anything, I'm gonna break it. Um, but so basically, if you so if you're updating from anything above six, this should be from I mean for just from what we've seen from the GDEs and from everybody who's because when we went from six to seven, it was like easy, like too easy. Yeah. So so we we a long time ago now I think it was in version five we did this big um, effort to make schematics a core part of the update process so that instead of actually to go through and make a bunch of changes for anything that we changed behind the scenes, we want to actually take responsibility for updating your code for you. And we, we've actually been really successful with that with the last two, three releases, and we're expecting to be even more successful at that this time. So uh, we have this ng update command, which comes from our CLI. Um, and so you just basically run ng update, and we move you to the latest version. And then what we do is we, we transform your code to update to any of the best practices. And so in version eight, there, there's a few things that we do. Um, one of those is, for example, if you're using Angular Material, we change where uh, we recommend people import from. So it used to be you import from at Angular slash material, um, but now due to some problems with uh, ecosystem bundling tools where we saw that code sizes were too big, uh, we now do more kind of component level imports. So you'll import like, Matt button from at angular slash material slash Matt button. But the, the nice thing is we, we do that for you. So we made this change. We were going to follow our deprecation plan. Like the old way will still work, 
but because this is the new best practice, we're just keeping everyone up to date automatically. So I know. So so recently, right? It seems that this is this is getting easier and easier because I really feel like the Angular team is. In, like, don't even get me started on Ivy, right? I feel like the Angular team is doing so much of this work for us and working so hard to make it backward compatible. Because the first time when I started hearing about, and, and I came from like Angular like 1.3, right? So so for anybody else who's come from that far back, when we first heard you're going to run a command line uh, to update, we're like, like, we don't believe you, you know, because we know the pain involved in that. And I think in the beginning, and, and even really going from five to well, obviously going from one to two was the most pain, and then going from two, there wasn't three. We skipped right over three to make sure y'all were paying attention, but going from two to four and then going, so each update gets like more and more easy. And so really the last one that I think required any work on our part was six, because then from six, you got that CLI, you got the schematics and the update command. And so now basically, hopefully it's like getting ridiculously easy and i only say that i mean you know because you're stephen Pluin. but for anybody watching who doesn't know like when i first heard about this whole you know cli update command i was pretty skeptical honestly so if you're skeptical and you're watching this it really is that easy unless you i mean if you've been keeping up with it right it's super super easy if you have an old old angular project that has not been updated since like version four then you know you could be like me and just completely break it. What do you mean, Stephen? We can't go straight from four to eight. What's wrong with you people? But if you are keeping up with it, it really is getting just easier and easier to run these. If you run one simple command, you really do like go into the code that like you'll go into my code base when I run update and change everything so that it's so that it's the latest. Yep. No. Yeah. And uh, like not just the latest like incompatibilities, but we always try to adopt the latest best practices as well. Um, a, an example of this that I can talk about, uh, another example of this is that we, one of the changes in, in version eight that we're allowing for, again, like we, we do this deprecation process and whatnot, but um, if, you, if you've ever lazy loaded a route, which is you should definitely consider doing because it's one of our best practices, um, you have this route config where you say load children as a key and then you give it a, uh, a name basically of a module and a, a symbol to load. And previously, we had written a whole bunch of really custom tooling to, to do all of that. But what we did in Virginia is now it's possible to just use kind of industry standard tools uh, like this thing called dynamic imports. And so what we do is um, we will actually update those strings to the dynamic imports for you automatically. So uh, and I, I can pull up an example of that. That would be interesting. OK. All right, let me, let me see if I can share my screen. And Stephen, for that, uh, is the dynamic import support part of the CLI and the build of that? Or um, if somebody's not using the CLI and uses the Angular compiler, will that work as well? So what, what we've actually done here is we've taken the problem out of our tooling chain and moved it into the ecosystem. And, and so what I mean by that is like before you had to use the Angular build system in order to do this lazy loading strategy. Uh, but now it's just standard industry dynamic imports. So if you have an application that's that's using like the TypeScript transpiler, all those sorts of things, Webpack, those tools know how to do this. Rollup knows how to do this. It, it's pretty pretty cool. So let me just show you here. Um, share my and screen. while you're doing that, uh, there's a question from Oscar. Uh, how do you update a badly architected app, and what are the preconditions to be able to do it? And if I could answer that, I would really say. Um, Oscar, I did Angular by myself 
for many years and I, it was very stressful because I was trying to figure it out. If you have a badly architected app and you know it's badly architected, the number one piece of advice that I would give you is to start participating in the community. Reach out to the GDEs, reach, reach out to whoever you think is uh, you know, a friendly um, Angular expert. Uh, GDEs will probably be happy to point you in the right direction. We can't fix all your code for you, but we will absolutely um, kind of help you in the right direction. And if you actually do want somebody to come and fix your code for you, there are a lot of uh, consulting firms that specialize in Angular. Um, I know Brebug, Narwhal, Oasis Digital. Um, there are people that are more than happy to help you. But even you know, just trying to do it on your own, participate in the community, Oscar. Learn from me because I did Angular alone for like five years. And I got so much better as soon as I started talking to other people, which is a little hard if you're an introvert. Yeah, Bonnie, you're, you're totally right. I mean, definitely lean on the community because when you say a badly architected app, I mean, the, there's no bad architectures like for a given moment, right? You, you built it for a reason that way. It's just maybe not optimal as, as the ecosystem continues to evolve or as your architecture of your application continues to evolve, right? You might say, hey, I need it to be different now. Um, and in general, what we've seen is that Angular is pretty good at keeping everyone on a, the straight and narrow. It's, it's very hard to go and do something in it like a non-Angular way. Yeah. It, well, no, but uh, you'd be surprised. No, you probably wouldn't be surprised. But I've seen a lot of people who are, because Angular is so opinionated. Um, but really, and I always say, because I do a lot of consulting and I kind of move around from team to team like Mary Poppins. And the one thing that I find very consistently is the people who are not, the people who don't have as much Angular experience invariably are writing more code than they need. Because the more you know Angular, the more you understand the, how powerful it is in the tooling and how it's meant to be done in Angular, you can do all this stuff with a tiny, it's like such a small amount of code and it's so powerful. And if you don't really know all of the ins and outs and, and, uh, and intricacies of Angular, you really end up writing a lot more code. Okay, so I'll just show you this really briefly. So this is what a lazy loaded route config looked like before, right? You've got these load children keys that point at a file and then you've got a symbol or a module name. And so we actually wrote a bunch of custom code into our build system to interpret this and turn that into a lazy chunk that Webpack could process. Uh, and what we've done now is we switched this into just following kind of industry standards where you notice how there's a string. This is a string. There's actually no like completion. Uh, if if this if you get this wrong, you you typo the fat finger it. These like VS Code does not know how to fix this. But by switching to this industry standard uh, import statement where we actually import the file and then we get out that module or we get out that file and we can access the module directly. Um, now all this is toolable, right? TypeScript understands this, VS Code understands this, WebStorm understands this, and it doesn't require any custom tooling. So to, to Justin's point, uh, this would actually work better without kind of Angular custom build tooling than, than it ever has before. And Lars, uh, uh, Lars Jefferson uh, says the, the, the weekly meeting notes have not been updated in a while and he's checking them every day. And Lars, Steven just had a baby, man. Just no, no, so, uh, We haven't actually had it because of NGConf. Um, so two things, we, we moved our, week, our team meeting to every other week. So you're gonna see a lot fewer of those. And then because of NGConf, we actually skipped uh, a week or two. So, so we'll, we'll be back at those with uh, next week. So this is a really good example, which leads into another question, because you're showing us like one specific thing that's changed in Angular version 8, right? And we don't even have to worry about it because it's just going to fix everything for us, which is great. But going forward, we still need to, you know, keep up with the latest syntax. So yep. there is a change log somewhere, right? Yes. Where? There's a, a couple change logs. So um, obviously, you can go read the entire change log. Let me just pull it up here. So if you github.com Angular Angular you will actually see the entire 
change log. So this is every change that we make to Angular. I, I would recommend to most developers, this is not going to be the most useful thing for you. Although for a lot of developers, it is, right? Like knowing every single PR, every single commit to the repo, this, this can be very interesting. What I would actually recommend most developers look at to understand the differences between like major versions is either our blog, so blog.io.io. Yeah, because we had a great article when you when seven came out about exactly like what we needed. Yes, exactly. Yep, yeah, we're we're always trying to make these these posts better and better and better and really cover um, not just what's in it, but what does it mean for me as a developer. You're doing a great job because this particular blog post was one of my favorites. It's so like first of all, I was really excited about what was in it, but it was so easy to follow. Awesome, glad to hear that. And um, I, you know, I like. Uh, and don't let it go to your head, Stephen, right? Because you know I'm a big fan. But one of the things that I like is, so you're sending out, uh, like before you release a new version, you go to the GDEs and say, hey, everybody test this version. And especially because like the update is, you know, going and changing our code, it seems like there's, like it seems like it would be so easy for that to get messed up, right? But the thing that I like is that you actually hold us accountable. Guys, I, he asked everybody to test this and I didn't answer his email because I was busy with other stuff, right? And he actually followed up and was like, hey, we really want to get all of this feedback. So he's holding us accountable to say, did you actually try it? Did you actually break it? Like we actually do want to know before we release this. And I think that's so great that you guys are going, like actually trying to go out of your way to make sure that everything's going to work for every user. Yeah, I, I would say we have really, really good test coverage of Angular. So. I mean, the, the first line of defense for us is actually Google. So we have over a thousand projects at Google that are using Angular. And based on how software engineering and the workflow works at Google, for us to get in a breaking change into Google, we have to go and update those thousand apps and make sure they still work. It's actually on us. And so if there's anything that's not toolable, anything that we have to go fix manually, we have to go do that. And obviously, we don't have time to go fix a thousand projects. Um, and so we're really, really incentivized to make sure that for every commit to master, for every commit to head of our repository uh, in GitHub, it's going to work for everybody. And then what we do is we we batch all those changes into patches every week. We batch them into minors every few months when we have an important feature. And then we do majors every six months. Um, and really, like you could build off of head and everything would work just fine. There's just some kind of nuances with NPM and obviously the like ng update tooling, seeing how people do things differently out in the, the the real world versus Google, that that's that's the final bit of validation that we do, and we, we spend a lot of time on that to make sure that everyone has a really easy update process. I really admire you. I think you make your job you make your own job so much harder to make our jobs easier. It's like when Uri Shaked was on the show on this show a while back, and he was talking about Ivy. You know, everybody's freaking out about Ivy. We're so excited, and everybody wants to know. Like, I want to learn. I want to stay ahead of it. I want to keep up with all the latest Angular stuff. So, I want to know all of, like, how do I start using Ivy? Teach us every like. We want to know the syntax. And and Lori's like, well, it's basically the same as what you've been doing. We're doing everything behind the scenes, and you're going to use Ivy without doing anything. And it's just like, wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, like, there's lots of places where we want these things to be drop in improvements to Angular. And then in the long term, we can figure out, okay, what do we need to change something to take advantage of it? So uh, one example of this that, that is landing in 8 is differential loading. So what we're doing now, it's different in 8, is we, instead of doing a build towards the old version, the legacy version of JavaScript called ES5 that works across all the browsers, we actually, as a version 8, will do two builds. So we'll do a old legacy build and a modern JavaScript build. And then what happens is there, there's a technology in the browser where you can do a script tag in a specific way 
that old browsers load one JavaScript file, new browsers load a different JavaScript file. And we're taking advantage of this for you kind of automatically in eight, where we've seen kind of bundle sizes go down um, between seven and 20% just by shipping more modern JavaScript. And, and the primary determining factor there is how much modern JavaScript you're using. And so will that ng update uh, apply that for us? Yep. Yeah, for I, I think if you've done some custom modifications to your TS config, like you're picking weird JavaScript targets, uh, we might not pick that up. Uh, but for most people who've just been following along with the CLI, it'll it'll just kind of work. Whoops. <laughs> and so to be clear, kind of on that, uh, the idea is that our you know index.html file is going to have these these tags in it that are going to be the same for both of those deployments to depending on the browser, right? So we're we're having the one commit, one one code file for that. And now you know that's going to support uh, depending on who who hits it with what browser, right? Exactly. Yep. Very cool. I wanted to uh, a couple more things on the update real quick uh, to address that question as well. If we have a, a complex app or or complex data structure or app structure, um, you know, you, we run the ng update, uh, it gives us that uh, change, you know, for our Git. So we still have that ability to look over that and identify, you know, what it changed and, and make decisions. It's not just going to commit all that. So you have this kind of safety net there. But then we also have the fact that we're using TypeScript, right? And uh, so that makes that whole process from the Angular team, that development of that that tooling to do the update and those schematics, able to identify stuff um, more confidently, right, in our apps. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's only because of TypeScript that we're actually able to do this at all. That's cool. Uh, and so, uh, and really quick on the update. Uh, so if we do like ng update uh, at Angular slash core, that's going to know to pick up all like the other dependencies that Angular Core does, right? Yeah, and, we created this thing called package groups. Uh, so if you look in our like package JSON of any of our packages, um, we basically said all these things need to be kept in lockstep. And so if you update one, it's going to go update all of the others in the package group, as well as any of the the peer dependencies. So it'll update TypeScript, it'll update all of uh, RxJS, all those sorts of things. Very cool. Very cool. And then is like Material separate from that? So if I had Material in there, I would have to ng update. Adding your slash materials well. Yep. Yeah. So uh, generally, you're going to want to update ng update adding your slash CLI at your slash core, and then if you use something like Angular Material, you can throw that in there. Um, and what we're seeing is we're actually seeing huge community adoption of these update schematics, and so you can really throw any of your packages in there. So like if you're using NX right, and you ng update your your NX CLI, that will update your your workspace as well. If you like. Uh, one of the teams that we worked with is actually like a, a big bank uh, or financial firm called Allianz. And for example, they, they're they using ng-update to keep their entire company up to date, right? So as they change their best practices, as they change their shared component library, as they change their standards, they use ng-update to keep the entire code base kind of in sync. That's beautiful. Totally cool. Very cool. So we're talking about version 8. Uh, are we still on RC for that? Are we expecting the other to come pretty soon? Yeah, today we're on uh, RC3. Um, you should see RC4 soon. And then if everything goes according to plan, we should be uh, next few weeks being at 800 final. Very nice. Very nice. So at uh, ng-comp, the team talked about uh, a lot about the state of Angular right now. Um, I know one of the things they talked about a lot is this kind of this marketing term that I think a lot of people maybe don't miss or it's not conveyed enough that 
Angular is a platform, right? And we think about it in terms of difference from, say, a framework, why do we call it a platform? And that, and that was discussed a lot at ng-conf. Can you go into that a little bit? Sure, sure. So I, I've been using that that term for a while because the the fundamental relationship we're trying to have with our customers, I, we, we've expanded it, right? Uh, back in the AngularJS days, like four or five years ago, we were just trying to be a framework that allowed you to kind of render and do change detection to the DOM. What we, we've gone from is, I mean, we still have that framework piece, but we're trying to do so much more. We're trying to really focus on the entire workflow of the developer from getting started now out into things like deployment and build. And so how do you test an application? How do you build it? How do you optimize it for the production? How do you put that up on a server? And this, this kind of expansion of our responsibilities really means that just by choosing Angular, you're going to get this kind of rich end-to-end -end developer experience. And it's something that we're, we're continuing to expand even further, where um, we, we want to be not, I wouldn't say fully opinionated, but a little bit more opinionated, or at least give people tools for even saying, how do I serve my JavaScript? Because we, we see all the time that we've got, you get really good web developers who are building fantastic applications, but they're not experienced at the developer operations side, like the DevOps side of like, how do I ship my JavaScript? How do I serve it? How do I split it? Like all of that is really, really hard. And it's, it's almost a different discipline than writing an application. And so in our minds, if we can help developers with those other pieces, we're going to make them more successful. And so uh, I'm really excited about a, a bunch of kind of innovations that are coming down the, the pipeline. One in particular that I want to call out from the community uh, is a project called Nest.js, where I really love it because what they've done is that they've actually uh, they've built a framework that looks very much like Angular, but for the backend, for building services, for building microservices, where uh, on top of Express, on top of Node, using TypeScript, you can build out like modules and controllers that instead of being a front-end user interface component, it's a service, right? So you can call via an API. And they, they just built in schematics that both wrap uh, Angular Universal, so if you want to do server-side rendering of your Angular application, but uh, also kind of this idea of code-shared projects where uh, I can take an Angular app and I can, in a single command, add a backend to that app, right? And so that in a single npm run serve command or yarn serve command, I can be spinning up both my backend API and my front end using server-side rendering all hosted from the same domain from the same repo. And that that's like a magical moment for me, I think, because it, it makes it much, much easier, much more possible to be building these, these very, very rich experiences where a lot of times in the past you have to say, okay, well, let me go figure out how to build a back end. Let me go figure out how to build a front end. And if we can just give you all these things kind of in a single package, that's much more powerful. And that's Nest? Nest.js, yep. As a back end for front end developers? It's it's a a I would call it maybe a, a services framework. So if, if you wanted to build out an API, I've been ignored. I thought it was for unit testing this whole time. I needed it. Now I got to go learn Nest.js right now. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And and like so they have an ng add schematic. So you just run. Uh, so if you take any Angular application and run uh, ng add at Nest.js slash ng dash universal, it will build a like a server folder for you and give you an API like prefix so that when you access your application normally, it's just an Angular app, but when you go access slash API, it's going to hit any of your API layers. And that's where you can call it to SQL servers. You can run NoSQL. You can whatever you want. You can proxy things. You can build long-lived processes. You can transcode video. Anything you could normally do on a server, you could do there. 
Okay, uh, I, I really see, uh, we could just ask you questions all day, Stephen, because there's so much stuff in your brain and I want to ask you all the questions, but there was, I want to circle around just, and I know that you have a, a lot of stuff that you want to cover, so I, I don't want to uh, drag you off course, but there was a really good question in the YouTube chat um, and there's a couple. So if we just run through them really fast, can we ask you and then we'll get back on um, what you want to talk, is that okay? Yeah, lightning round, sounds, sounds so fantastic. Actually asked, which was a very good, a very good question for me, um, any plans on making providers array work with lazy loaded modules instead of making all those services provided in? That's a very good question. So let me let me make sure I understand. So a provider's array in a lazy loaded module should well, provider, can you lazy load services? Because I struggle with this. Yes, you you absolutely should be able to lazy load services. And and this is actually one place that is very interesting because we we tried to make services easier by having this whole provided in route thing. But if if you want to lazy load them, obviously you can't provide them in route. So you would have to provide them in your lazy loaded module or you add them to the provider's array in the lazy loaded module. So lazy loading services 100% works. I do this in every application. Like for, So for example, my, my standard pattern is my homepage basically loads nothing. And then I'll have like an admin route that will load uh, like all of my rich interactive like services that are, you know how to post data back, how to manage data, how to validate it, all those sorts of things. I only load those in my admin route because admins are willing to pay the bundle size, but I don't want my visitors to pay that. So that that absolutely is a core part of Angular. Okay, so you can lazy load services, absolutely. And I have done it, but it was a little tricky. Do you think you could maybe one of these days make one of those little YouTube videos for us on just a simple example of how to lazy load services? Because we would love that. Sure, we'll next question, Because I think it is, obviously it's possible, but it's, not for beginners, maybe. Um, okay, so uh, Constantine wants to know if you could indicate somewhere that Angular CDK is not Angular material, maybe some people, and I think that's out there, so maybe that's just good feedback for you that we need more documentation for that. But also, um, Thomas also, Thomas is asking a lot of good questions. Uh, are you gonna ditch Webpack with when Bazel, like I, I would love to talk about Bazel, but I don't even know if we have time for that today. So I'll, I'll try and address the two things. So uh, CDK and Material are from the same team, but different. We, if you, one way to think about it is, we want every Angular developer to be using the CDK if that has a tool that they need. We don't want every developer to use Angular Material. Angular Material for us is a really good manifestation of the Material Design philosophy from Google, but it's it's critical to us that that is not the only option. We want other people, we want other component libraries to be successful because there are many, many design aesthetics and you should be picking the one that's right for you and that has the features and capabilities you need. So definitely, definitely, we think differently about the CDK because the CDK is the underlying primitives, like the, the component dev kit includes things like overlays and portals and uh, dialogues and bi-directional support and a lot of accessibility stuff. So that we feel like anyone that's building a component library can definitely use the CDK but only if you want material design or you want to just use the the kind of out-of-the-box stuff that we have should you be using Angular Material. If okay. Angular Material was the only component library out there, we would have failed. Uh, it is, I love it. It's really great. So, and Lars, so we have Lars Jeppesen, who is uh, one of our Angular GDEs in the chat, answering some of the other questions so that you can get back on track. Uh, sorry, Justin. Oh, so I, I will just briefly, so, you asked another question though. You asked, uh, are we going to ditch Webpack? And the, the answer is, no, we, we we have no plans. We do not want to ditch Webpack. Webpack is a it does a lot of different things, right? So it is has plugins, it has builders, it's got um, bundlers. Like 
it, it's trying to do a lot of different things. And all of our efforts around Bazel are around exploring, can we handle the build better and make the build more incremental so that you can separate the TypeScript transpilation from the Angular compilation, from the SAS compilation, separating all these things out as individual pieces that can be written to disk and not rerun every time the application is built. Uh, but even with our Bazel, even with like our, our most uh, like advanced implementation of Bazel, we're still using Webpack under the hood, right? We still are relying on Webpack for doing the bundling, for giving developers the, the lazy loaded chunks, the, those sorts of features that they expect. I feel like we could never outgrow Webpack because it would be like saying goodbye to Sean Larkin and, and he's the nicest person. He's like the, the nicest human in the world. And we love, well, not really, because I'm sure he's doing really cool more stuff new. I don't even know what he's been up to lately, but he's such a good human. Okay, so, uh, so Justin, I'm sorry I dragged Steven. Uh, it was the YouTuber's fault, really. It wasn't my no, fault. No, YouTube. We're getting answers. We're getting answers. So uh, we're talking about Basil. So maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, the enterprise experience for Angular. Um, yeah, I know you mentioned some stuff on that at ng-conf and some experiences and, and, and things learned. Um, what's kind of, can you give us an update of status of that? And I, I think kind of the, the whole platform part, as you were talking about earlier, kind of plays into that. The fact that, you know, I know a lot of times in the enterprise, companies will look for, hey, give me the solution from the one provider that does all these things so I don't have to worry about that sort of thing. So um, I, I don't think it's a secret that we're, we're very, very popular for building large applications from large teams, right? Like that that hits one of our, our sweet spots really, really well in terms of our opinionation, in terms of our kind of end-to-end -end approach to, to how we do these sorts of things. And so one of the talks we gave at ng-conf that was about Angular for Enterprise, where we tried to summarize some of the, the biggest questions that we get about um, Angular on teams where maybe you have 100 developers building the same app, which kind of fundamentally looks a little bit different than a team of, of eight or nine people. Um, and so we, we talked about kind of how to do performant builds. We talked about how to um, just think about Angular and, and some of the features in it just a little bit differently. I mean, we, we want to solve the problem for everyone. We want a one-person team, a junior developer to be able to use Angular. We want a giant enterprise with thousands of developers to be able to use Angular. Um, but I think at the same time, acknowledging that they're different can help. I believe enterprise is really where Angular shines because Angular is... I mean, and, and I think your mileage may vary, but in my opinion, um, there are there have been some other libraries that, that have popped up that are really easy and that kind of live in the same space and do the same thing. But Angular is so powerful. And it's like back in the day, like learning MS Paint versus learning Photoshop. Photoshop is a lot harder to learn, but it's so powerful. And I think that's really, I mean, when you get into an enterprise and maybe even if you don't have an enterprise company, but you think you might someday, go ahead and start with Angular now because when you grow and when you scale, yeah. then you'll be happy. I mean, that's that's definitely one of our, our sweet spots today. I, although I like, I was talking even earlier this week to a, a startup accelerator who's working with something like sixty or seventy different uh, startups, and they said that they always recommend and use Angular because the opinion style means that they don't have to figure out a bunch of things just to get started with a project, right? You don't have to, to go hire a full-time CTO for a month to design your, your ultimate architecture, right? You can just kind of rely on Angular and it's gonna, uh, if, especially if you know Angular, it's gonna get you there very, very fast. They, they even use it for things like prototyping because they can spin up a, a backend and a front end that renders some cool data to the screen and visualizes some idea so quickly. 
It's interesting that you mentioned prototyping because I think back in the day to Angular JS and its origination, and I believe that it was designed to do that to help prototyping and, and give functionality, right? And that's kind of the, the birth of it. Yeah. So I mean, we we definitely have. Um, I would say that the skill set of prototypers has changed a little bit. So we in the Angular JS days, what we saw is a lot of people knew HTML and they wanted to get access to the superpowers that JavaScript gives you. And AOJS filled that need. Um, now with Angular, we're, we're more well positioned for prototypers that maybe know more JavaScript, and like they're, they're still heavily focused on the HTML, but they they've learned a little bit from their AngularJS days and from the the desire to create more functional and interactive experiences. Um, and those folks definitely kind of gravitate to Angular as well. I remember my very first Angular, I made an ng repeat and I was very excited and my client loved it. And then they started throwing all these requirements and they were really impressed with my skills as a developer after that ng repeat. But at that time, ng repeat was all I knew. Like I didn't know anything else. They were like, oh, now you need to do all this. And I was like, ah, it was, but the docs really back then were, I mean, the docs were extensive, but they were very complicated and really hard to follow. And the documentation I think really is my favorite evolution of Angular because it's so powerful and it was really hard to learn back then. And that's really not the case anymore. I mean, maybe that's just my opinion, but you guys have really worked so hard to make the documentation. I mean, it's, it's come so far and the Angular's come so far, but the docs themselves are just really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a journey. I, I think we'll, we'll never fully get there because we always want to do a little bit better. But um, one of the, uh, I'll say less headlining features that, that's coming out in the 8.0 timeframe is we actually wrote a, a completely new tutorial. Uh, we call it Getting Started. Um, and it's, I yeah, we, we, we've been slowly kind of putting it out there like, hey, this exists, but it, it's not on Angular.io yet. It's still on the preview site next.angular.io. Um, and the, the goal there is a few fold. So we wanted to make developers feel powerful faster. So by teaching fewer things, which is kind of a very audacious uh, an interesting choice, right? Because some developers, they teach me everything, show me all of the APIs. I want to go, I want to know everything there is to know. Whereas other developers, they're like, how do I show some stuff on the screen? And so uh, the new getting started guide is really focused a little bit more towards the, the latter group. And instead of ending with like the, the tour of heroes where you have an app, right? Where you have a list of things you can click and you can navigate around. We, we try and end with this idea of what if I want to deploy to a site? What if I want to share my code with someone else? And, and that, that's really critical. So making developers feel powerful faster, focusing on teaching fewer things, and then ending with a shareable experience. That, those are some of the, the things that I think we, we've uh, focused on with this new getting started. Yeah, that sounds definitely great. I think it's definitely needed because we talk about it and Bonnie brought it up. Like it feels like Angular really shines for the enterprise, right? But I feel it can really shine for these other you know, starter points as well. And it's how do you teach that? How do you get people involved in that um, where they and don't feel so complex to dive right in? Right? And I mean, it's it's funny, like we, we got to a point a year ago where developers felt like they had to go and learn everything. They had to go know how NG Universal worked and understand uh, how to, to lazy load and how to use web workers and like how to build a PWA. And we wanted to kind of reflect and say, it's okay if you don't know all those things. It's We're all on a learning journey. We're all gonna learn new things tomorrow. And if I can build an app today in a single component that does what I need it to do, that, that's a win. And I think some, maybe part of it, when I, the Angular journey, like there's so much, and even, you know, if anybody knows Victor Savkin, you know, right? That you get this level of experience with time. 
And you really, and, and if you've been doing development for 10 years and then you go back and work with someone who's been developing for two years, you see they made the same mistakes that I made when I was starting. And so really, I think part of the, part of the, the challenge of learning Angular, there's so much architectural stuff that you guys have already, and some of the stuff, like when I first started learning uh, NGRX, NGR, it's not that NGRX doesn't have good documentation. That's not the problem. It's that NGRX itself is kind of an advanced concept. And so there's that, you know, we're, 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 are, we are so much more powerful with Angular that there's some concepts like back when I first started developing, like I was barely doing CSS. And so to do like, you know, DevOps stuff, um, now we have access to all this powerful stuff. We have to know some concepts that I think maybe, I mean, maybe that's part of the challenge, right? It's not that necessarily that we're learning Angular. We're actually learning architecture as we're going. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, talking with the... Yeah, talking with the NGRX team and talking with the Ben Lash from RxJS, more than half of the questions they get aren't about their technology. Right. They're about how do I architect my app? And so there's, there's something really interesting there where we, we look to these tools and we, we have to kind of simultaneously be learning how to think about large scale applications. Um, because kind of, no matter what technology you're using, you have to be thinking about, okay, when should I be loading things? When who, how do we manage communication across my app? Like, you have to think about those problems independent of any specific technology that's, that's trying to enable you to do those things. Absolutely. It's a little challenging. But I think really the more, because the whole Angular team, you and, and Igor and, and Brad, and like you guys have such high standards for yourselves that I think uh, it's easy to, to, to really take take for advantage like like it's it's easy to take for granted how easy our job has been over the last couple of years i don't know if i'm saying i'm ex what i'm what i'm trying to say is that you guys are doing a great job and uh, and it's just it, it's like it gets so it gets so much easier the the easier it is the more we felt like feel like we could just be demanding like do you ever go back to the angular team with like um, new features that the community is asking you for and they just like start crying do you ever do that I've never seen any tears, but yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're constantly figuring out, hey, someone in the community built this. How, how do we take advantage of that? How do we work together with the community to bring that into Angular, to make that available and popular by everybody? So, I mean, this is a, like, you'll note that in almost every release, a bunch of our capabilities that we're shipping are coming from the community. So that that is so essential and so core to who we are. Yeah, and there's another question from Constantine that I think is really good for this discussion because Constantine said, the problem about the tutorials are these examples are too simple. Um, so you should say that there is just a simple example and not best practices. But Constantine, here's the thing, I'll say the same thing to you that I said to Oscar earlier. So when you get beyond the simple examples that, that they're providing in the, in the standard docs, and those are too simple for you and you're trying to do something that's just really not covered in a tutorial, you are no longer a beginner. <laughs> You are now a power user and that's when you really start to you know, participate in the community. Because if the beginner tutorials that you find are not sufficient enough, then, you should, then you're basically at the level where you need to start helping us write the tutorials and participating and, and be a part of that conversation. Yeah, every developer needs something different. And so like someone, I, I just saw on Twitter this morning, someone said, hey, even if you find a blog post that answers the question that you were gonna answer, maybe, maybe you should still write another blog post because everyone has different learning styles. Everyone has different needs. Like um, if, if we put a really big complex example onto our homepage, 
that that would confuse a lot of developers, right? That would confuse junior developers, confuse developers that are already getting started with Angular. And so anytime there's an opportunity for the community to help with that or to contribute back, like, hey, here's my giant app and here's what I figured out. Uh, we, we love that. I mean, like real world Angular, I think that from the, the StackBlitz folks, that's a really great example of more of a scaled application. But I, I think it's something we could do a better job of too. Yeah. yeah. I, I, but I think you have a really good point that it's, you, I mean, it's intimidating when, you know, when there's so much complicated stuff going on. But Constantine, another thing that I would mention is uh, if you have a kind of a more complicated thing that you're looking for help with, if you can recreate the problem that you're having in StackBlitz and then even tweet that out, tag us, um, you will get some help. Yeah, and you know, it's a, a lot like, uh, Bonnie, like Sam, uh, what your daughter's doing with Angular for the visual learner, right? It's just another way to teach that that gravitates or, or people can understand from a different perspective, right? So just like what you're saying. I was thinking it sounds just like Samantha when he says that. Like, just because there's already something out there, you know, uh, my daughter, for anybody who doesn't know Sam, is uh, dyslexic. So she was learning Angular, but there aren't enough pictures, really, because she really, pictures are very helpful. And so maybe even, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, trying to do this stuff like there more angular tutorials are always good like there can never be i have a youtube channel with lots of angular stuff but there are more and i love to see more youtube channels because we want more people teaching and i think that's really why like i get so many compliments that or i get so many com comments that the angular community is such a warm community and i i really think a lot of that is the attitude that comes from the angular team because especially between one and two, y'all know there was some backlash there, but the Angular team handled that with so much class because they, I, in my opinion, right, um, I think that they really try so hard to make everybody happy and listen to everybody and make, and like Angular belongs to all of us. And there are so many teams that are be like, well, we're not gonna do that. And y'all can just either take the software or leave it. And the Angular team has like taken so much of that, like trying to make everybody, like that's a lot of work trying to make everybody happy. and it's, and it's, I really admire it so much. But yeah, the, the teaching, there are a lot. When you get to the point, like I was doing some crazy stuff with reactive forms and I was trying to like really pushing the issue. And I got to the point where none of the tutorials out there were doing what I was trying to do. And at that point, like you, it, you need to participate in the community. Tweet us, talk to us, you know. Because I mean, even if even if you're wrong, even if you're, you're not an expert and you write a little, hey, this is what I did, how you can get feedback on that, right? Like someone else is gonna step up and help you with that too. And, and so I'm not officially on the Angular team, so I'm gonna say this, and Steven, you correct me if I'm wrong. If you're not getting feedback, there's a couple things you could try. Number one, be nice, first of all, obviously, right? Be nice. Um, instead of saying, oh, your code doesn't work, say, well, I'm trying to implement this and I need some help. Um, but number two, really the best thing that I could say is if you're trying, if you're, if you're just a regular developer and you're trying to reach out and you don't know any of these people, um, the number one thing I probably would say is try to recreate it in a stack blitz, help us help you. Because if you're just saying it doesn't work, you're not giving us enough information. And if we, if you actually want somebody to help you troubleshoot your code, you're going to have to give them as much information as possible. And so maybe if you can, if you could do it in a stack blitz and also remember the most important thing, be nice if you're asking for help, because the angular community is so nice. I mean, these people are wonderful, all, not just the angular team, but people will help you. Definitely. All right, Steven, I got a question for you. All right. Okay. So it seems like, you know, we're in this world now where uh, we've been doing web development for a long time, right? And now all of a sudden it feels like every website is an app, right? And especially when we're in the Angular world, you feel like you're I'm building a web app, right? But what if I want, like, 
it to be like what we consider, what used to consider like a website, right? Like a content site or something like that. Um, what is, like, do we think about that in terms of Angular and go, yeah, oh, Angular is a solution for that as well. And what's being done uh, to kind of address that as well as thinking about if I want to have an app, a site, right, web app website, that I, that's going to get millions of, of users hitting it. Like, mm -hmm. what's kind of the story for that going forward? Sure, sure. So you're touching on something that's a really interesting discussion that, that I've had kind of many, 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 many times. Uh, and there, there's some varying opinions on it. So uh, my opinion is that there is obviously a spectrum between website and web app. So, so for some given definition of those things. But I, I would say almost immediately for any website, you, you start wanting a content management system. You start wanting a login button. You want comments. You want, uh, like... The the rotten at this point, Stephen. What's that? And, and I and I want at this point. And I want scoped CSS that I get with Angular. <laughs> yeah, like so, like even if you just like I, I have a blog site right where I all I do is I write content, I pick images, I pick a URL, and then I hit save, and then it's a, it's visible, right? But even that is not a website, right? Like there is functionality there, there is modules, there's services, there's like validation, all all these sorts. There's like taking Markdown and rendering it. All this functionality area and quickly ends up becoming an app. But th this is something we're, we're thinking about is because if you are serving out to, to billions of, of users, maybe unauthenticated content where maybe we don't have to run the code in order to render it, which which is kind of a crazy idea. That That's where we get into solutions like Angular Universal, which is was actually originally built by the folks over at Forbes, then we brought it into Angular. Um, and how lots and lots of people use it. Um, the other thing that we're thinking about is how can we lean into this? And so we, we talked about this a little bit at IO, like we, we don't have like code you can go try today, but we are experimenting a lot with combining things like Angular elements and lazy loading at the component level with uh, kind of shallow hydration of components. So imagine if you had a server, so again, we'd have to be opinionated about the server you had a server that would give you static HTML so the browser could load that very, very quickly without having to load any of the functionality. And then as you interact with the page, components wake up and they re-render and they load the JavaScript necessary. Where This, this is kind of the, the dream that we have. And, and we're actually, uh, our proof of concepts are, are going very, very well in terms of saying, is this possible? Where uh, you can use things like Angular Elements to use like the browser to bootstrap a component, like so you just render it to the screen and then bootstrap it. So uh, we're we're very excited about this. Um, obviously, it is not in Angular. It is not. We've not written a line of code of this in Angular. This is all kind of experiments, proof of concepts. Uh, but it's it's a use case that I think we we believe matters because if you're trying to ship a a website um, like a, a that gets a billion users a month or whatever. Um, where the users aren't really engaging the page, they just want to passively consume content. Uh, you want to ship as small bundle size as possible so they get the best performance. And, and we think we have ideas on how to achieve that. I feel like Rob Wormald is somewhere just coming up with like, he's just sitting back there going, what is completely impossible? Let's try to do it for fun. Like that's how this comes out. Like, I feel like it's just like, he just gets bored and just tries to come up with something that can't be done. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, so uh, in particular, I think he and Vikram um, and Mishko are all really doing some deep thinking and experimenting in this this space right now. I think what's really compelling about that, uh, there's a lot of things, right? But the fact that like us as developers, 
it's nice to be able to kind of s stick with one tool set, right? That you learn really well. You learn Angular really well. It's like, I want to kind of Angular all the things, right? I got a new content site that I want to have. Can I just build it in Angular? Well, you know, so um, that solution would be awesome. Yes. And, and now that it's all like, do you have to opt into that? Can we automatically do that for all your components? Like th those are all the big questions that we don't know the answers to yet. Right. All right, well, we're getting to the top of the hour. Um, any last things that you uh, you talked about some exciting stuff, you know, but is there any other exciting things in the future that you might be planning, the Angular team might be planning that, that we can get excited about? Well, I think the, the future, the let's say medium term, so the, the next year or so, I think getting developers over to Ivy is going to be a big enabler. So um, pretty soon we're going to be pushing developers into doing the opt-in preview. Um, don't tell anybody, you can actually do it today, right? Like we actually have instructions on the, the website, but we're, we're not pushing people into it yet because uh, we, we still feel like we have a couple things to fix uh, immediately, but that, that's, that's coming very, very soon. Um, getting compatibility right, getting bundle sizes down where we can take advantage of the kind of better fundamentals of Ivy, and that enables this whole new generation of like consumer lazy loaded, com shallow hydration, like it, it enables so many great ideas that, that that's where we're so excited, not not even about Ivy, we're excited about the things that Ivy makes possible because Ivy, where we almost entirely focused on compatibility, right? How can we take all the code that you run today and make it work with better fundamentals? And then after that, it's like, what, what do we do to take advantage of all this? This awesome. is great. Can I add, okay, one more, because I know we're out of time, uh, but there are a bunch more questions. So we had uh, Ed Hong Lim uh, just came in, uh, joined us a little bit late and had a lot of very specific questions. And I was telling him, if you know, and I was like, Stephen knows everything, but we don't have time, right? So uh, that would be the last question. Where do they go if they have specific questions that we do not have time for on Angular Air? Can they just like tag you on Twitter? That's probably not ideal for you. You can tag me on Twitter. Probably not ideal. Um, I would maybe for for that sort of kind of general conversations, uh, Gitter would be a place that I might recommend people. So I think it's like Gitter.im uh, slash Angular slash Angular. It's a, a chat room for the Angular repo. Awesome, awesome, and and there are people usually because if you go into the Gitter.im, um, uh, and you can just like Google Angular Gitter, and you'll find the link there. Uh, but th like sometimes the the Angular people, actually people who know Angular, hang out in there. But also sometimes some the other users could actually help you. And I, I have when I first started um, hanging out in there, like other people, other developers would answer my questions until until they got. It's hard enough, uh, but if your if your question is so hard that the other developers can't answer, that's a good problem for you to have. And then I mean, we are all online, so I mean, Twitter is is an okay place to just shout out your question, and and somebody will probably help you. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, anything, any picks or anything that anyone wants to plug before we wrap up? Ng Vikings is coming up. I'm very excited about Ng Vikings, which is right around the corner. All right. Cool. And I'm also very excited about uh, Angular Denver, which is in Colorado, which Justin's going to be at. I'm excited because you weren't there last year, and you'll be there. So I'm excited about that. And I believe that uh, tickets are still available for Angular Denver, which is like, what, a month? It's in a, no, August 15th. No, August, no. August 1st and 2nd, I think. August, y'all, I swear. I don't know. Jesse's going to kill me. But uh, tickets are still available. I'll be there. Justin will be there. Um, a lot of cool people. Awesome. Hey, speaking of cool people, who's on next week? Justin? Tom, we got uh, Thomas Burleson coming on. He's going to talk about uh, the facade pattern. Facade pattern. So. I love the facade pattern. Yeah, it should be good. I will be there. No, I'll be at Vikings. 
Yeah, I'll have to schedule that too. Get it done. No. All right, Stephen. Thanks a ton for sharing your time and, and coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. Everybody have a good one, and we will catch you next time. See ya. See ya.